0: Well, I think the NBA wants Zion Williamson to be everything, the face of the league. He is the future. It's Jordan, LeBron, Zion Williamson. I would much rather have the ball in the hands of Doncic or uh, Tatum at the end of a game than Zion Williamson. Uh, You know, Zion shooting 58%. A lot of it's dunks. A lot of it's buckets right at the rim, which I love.
1: Give me that low paid block. The Sports Grid Network. The morning after.
0: I think you were naive if you thought we were going to get through this with with everyone testing negative. Even the individual sports like PGA,
2: like the UFC, it's about preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. If Adam Silver and his crew have prepared for these types of things, all right. When there are positive tests, we shut it down and we remove ourselves from the equation. Because
3: we're still really seeing one to two percent of athletes in yeah.
0: each league testing positive.
1: The Sports Grid Network. In game live. You,
0: you talk about the guy on second base. I think that could be just this season under the guise of safety and safety controls. I don't know how they're going to maintain this. No high fives. No, you know, hugging at that whole plate on a walk-off home run. No, you know, or, or what about no fights? I imagine that you'll get a warning first, something like that, and then low fines, $50, 100, I don't know, to try and get you to
1: stop. Catch the program every single day on Tsy Radio and on the Sports Grid Network. Diamond bets.
2: Yes, we got baseball back, and it's like that moment in the you know in in the Avengers movies where she asks him, What did it cost you? And he and he says everything. <laughs> you know, and I, I just don't want it to cost everything, man.
4: I just don't. Dave, and I don't want to be that guy, but if you truly love something, whether it be mm-hmm. sports investment, whether it be ping pong, whether it be gardening, if you truly love something, you find a way to do it. My father always said that to me.
1: The sports grid network.
2: Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe P, and welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, right here on Sports Grid. And our next guest is one of my favorite people. He is a mentor and a friend, and he is one of those people that knew way before Hamilton that there's enough room in the world for many voices in fantasy football, and I appreciated that. As I was coming up with draft guides of my own, this is one of the great inspirational figures to me, even (laughs) though he'll say, ah, shut up, Joe, stop talking already, but it's true so Bob Harris, Mr. Football Diehard himself, welcome to the program, my friend.
3: I totally bailed on you. I should have had my black book
2: on <laughs> Well, you know, speaking of books, I know that you've got a lot of magazines coming out as well. So uh, tell everybody when the uh, Football Diehards magazines are going to start dropping in stores all over this fine country of ours.
3: Right. You might not have heard, Joe, it's an odd off season, so uh, we usually do five. We're doing two this year, the Pro oh. Forecast, 31st uh, year straight, so have that one coming out, and that's our biggest title and always our biggest seller. And also the Football Diehards Magazine, 20th season of that, and then next year we'll come back full bore. It's hard to find all the paper and everything you need all in one place anymore to make a million magazines.
2: You gotta go to the digital copies like I got in the Black Book too. You gotta go to those digital ones, but also you can always hear Bob on Football Diehards and NFL uh, Radio on Sirius XM. Uh, so not just the Fantasy Channel, but also on NFL Network. But Bob, enough about you, let's talk about NFL. And let's start with Dalvin Cook, who is holding out, obviously, this year to start the year. And this is to no one's surprise whatsoever. We all know that Dalvin Cook was going to hold out. And this was kind of a preconceived notion. The question is, how long? How should it affect us in drafts? And is it worth starting to consider Alexander Madison? Again, Kind of, I feel like we're in another uh, weird Hamilton loop here as we're talking. But is it worthy of uh, starting to look elsewhere? Or are we thinking that everything between the Vikings and Dalvin Cooks is going to get all worked out before the season starts? Please,
3: yes, everybody drafting with me look elsewhere. Flee! <laughs> Flee the scene because you don't want any of that. In all seriousness, uh, I don't think the holdout is a real. The threat is realistic. Uh, the CBA change this year. And so basically, if Cooks holds out, if Cook holds out, he's limiting his next year money to five four to five million dollars because he'll remain a restricted free agent. So my guess is this is the kind of contentious of you know public part portion of negotiations. <laughs> and behind the scenes, things are going along swimmingly. And that'll be great. I think uh, the more people who are worried about mm-hmm. him possibly holding out, who haven't dug a little deeper and are worried about the uh, ongoing injury issues, which, You know, honestly, they've been a bit of an issue, but not as much as people perceive, I don't think. So uh, the more of that, the better value I get when I'm drafting him. And if you can drive that price down, it's been kind of locked in at four overall, which I think is fair. 1,135 yards rushing last year, did not play the whole season. Uh, He's threatening to get 2,000 yards from scrimmage this year. Had he played fully all last year, he certainly would have hit that. Uh, So, And Gary Kubiak also. You know, I mean, I don't know if any of you are familiar with, like, Arian Foster, Terrell Davis.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah, Clayton he's got a good Ford, track a record Landis there.
3: Gary, Steve Slayton, Dominic Davis. <laughs> I don't know, man. He makes – if he can spin this straw into gold, what's he going to spin the gold into? Because he has gold in Dominic Cook. It's funny because Cook isn't one of those, you know, off-the-chart numbers guys in terms of speed and all the spark scores but that kind of belies the on-field production, which has been all that and more. And so I think as long as he's on the field, this offense is going to be designed around him. They're as run-heavy as anyone in the league. And certainly were last year. I don't think that Kevin Stefanski leaving changes that. I think Gary Kubiak coming in as the the consultant last year was a big part of that uh, run-heavy approach, and I expect it to fully continue. I think it benefits everyone there. But mostly it benefits my guy Dalvin Cook, and he's a hell of a playmaker – uh, I, I, honestly, I feel like if he had played fully, is, like last year, some of those last few games where he was playing, the shoulder was a bit of an issue. He was limited in the terms of his touches. He would have hit that 2,000 from scrimmage. Uh, and In the meantime, I, I think Madison remains, you know, the top plug-and-play, the guy you right. would expect to come in.
2: Well, he had 100 attempts last year, so it's not right. like he didn't get any work.
3: Right, and, you know, Mike Boone's sudden emergence, notwithstanding that was because Madison was a little beat up. So I still think Madison, especially if he draft Cook, reach up a little bit, even in standalone leagues over best ball. I think he's a guy that, you know, is worth, worth grabbing uh, in case something does happen to cook, even if you're not the cook owner uh, that's only in leagues. I don't already own cook. Stay away from Madison in those leagues. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's, he's one of the, you know, the list of guys, we always talk about handcuffs. I think there are handcuffs and there are plug and play kind of guys that you think are going to come in and get that kind of similar significant workload. And maybe not sure. I think Madison is the top of that list for me.
2: Yeah, I think I see things the same way in terms of the plug and play guys, especially this year with the covid. You never know. Somebody tests positive. Next thing you know, you've got a guy who could potentially miss two weeks. And there's a big drop off on some teams from, you know, the number one running back to the next guy. Whereas Madison, I don't know if the drop off is as dramatic. Now, you have Cook on your board at four overall. So just for clarification, that's over. Uh, Alvin Kamara correct because and, uh, I'm kind of, uh, of the same and I'm kind of the same mind you know talk me through that because I, I'm one of these guys too that also is just slightly hesitant as Alvin Kamara it's not that I don't want to have him if you get him at like seven eight okay I'm really interested there but if I'm having to go up to four to get him for me that's just a little dicey because this is a guy that you know has yet to really prove without Ingram that he can be that same fantasy force and I understand last year there were injuries I get all that but at the same time Bob when you look at it you see Cook is a better investment despite the injuries and despite, you know, some of the Alvin Kamara love that's out there. So what is that thought process there for you between the two guys?
3: Right. I think, you know, for me, part of it is the Sean Payton offense is a little more diversified, not as focused yeah. on the one guy. And obviously one of those guys that it diversifies to maybe even if it's the only one being Michael Thomas, that's a ton of targets. Uh, I think Jared Cook will get his maybe Emmanuel Sanders comes in and and lifts the raises the bar for that wide receiver two in that offense. But even still, I think Kamara's, you know, the touchdowns weren't there last year. I think he could easily score more touchdowns, easily climb back up into the top five. I see people drafting him as early as two, trying to be a little forward thinking on this. I think that's within the range of possible outcomes, too. I just think for Cook, it's a little more certain. Uh, the workload's a little more certain in the direction of the offense. And I think that, that that was the key for me. I think I had the number in front of me. Uh, the Vikings committed to the run. 47% of the time, second highest mark in the NFL after the Ravens. And to me, that's kind of the, the hair splitter for me is just the intention of the offense. Right. Whereas I think that's going to be the game plan every single week, no matter what. I think with Sean Payton, you come in, he's going to be trying to threaten defenses in a variety of ways, you know, using all the different pieces, including Taysom Hill, you know, to create mismatches and do things. And that doesn't keep Alvin Kamara from doing great things. It just makes you question whether that's going to be the intent every week.
2: All right, let's talk about another guy that I have a lot of intentions of drafting. I think you do as well. He scored 11 touchdowns last year and he did not have his quarterback for the entire season. He's Kenny Galladay. And clearly Galladay's been one of these guys that from year one, we were all very excited about. We saw the big body. We saw the opportunity here. We saw the emerging presence of a wide receiver one And the last year. Everything kind of came together. And Matt Stafford was on an incredible you know, beginning. In fact, a, a crazy stat too. Through age 31 season, Matt Stafford is number one in completions uh, and number three in touchdowns, if you can believe it. So right. uh, this is a guy that's been very good and very consistent throughout his career. Now the back is a concern, but at the same time, if Stafford is healthy, how bullish are you on Galladay this year to basically, I mean, even if it repeats last season, I think we're all thrilled, right? But I feel like the Galladay value is slightly suppressed right now because so of because of the Stafford back injury. Do you think that's the reason or is it something else?
3: I think it's just, you know, people, we have a tendency, especially this time of year, maybe even more so this year, we're drafting last year's best team, right? We're (laughs) drafting based on what happened and we're not projecting. And if you're projecting and you're looking ahead, you can see with the Matthew Stafford difference. I think that's almost what you're drafting. If you value Galladay more than others is Matthew Stafford, right? This guy's coming back. And I think Mike Clay had a statistic. Uh, Lions offense scored 21 touchdowns, 2.6 per game during Stafford's eight games last year compared to 14, 1.8 a game after he was hurt. You know, you look that back up. I'm not saying Galladay is going to get all those additional touchdowns, but Galladay might get some of those additional touchdowns. And he <laughs> to catch it. Certainly he'll get more than 65 catches. He's certainly thinking he'll exp- go over a thousand yards again. It seems like simple arithmetic to me. So I, and that's what I, I think this guy could be a top three, could be a top five wide receiver playing with Matthew Stafford for a full season. So that's one of the reasons why I like him a lot this year is I'm getting that, discount that i love you know i
2: like the discount Ah, hey who doesn't like a good discount come on we all like a good discount let's talk about daniel jones who's kind of a discounted quarterback as well in the qb2 range and superflex. now last year he didn't have one single game where he had all the weapons on the field so there was not one game where saquon ingram the three wide receivers were all out there at the same time and healthy now if you put that out there and you look at the difference of daniel jones numbers when saquon was healthy and when saquon was not very drastically different but he did show he could get some fancy points with his legs and to me this is a really nice QB2 and super flex I don't think he's quite a QB1 yet uh, but at the same time are you surprised by how good Daniel Jones was at times last year or was this basically something where Gettleman just sits back now and laughs at everybody and said haha I told you so well <laughs> that
3: too in addition he, he was also the top five quarterback uh, four times four times only Lamar Jackson Deshaun Watson Patrick Mahomes Russell Wilson Dak Prescott and James Winston did it more right mm-hmm. he had over 25 fantasy points look if you're kind of looking for that 20 points plus range for quarterbacks he's more than capable of getting it as you mentioned didn't have all the weapons at his disposal all year long We went for a period without saquon barkley or full speed saquon barkley as well so i think that makes a difference too See if he can make a nice connection with darius Slayton. didn't have evan ingram there's a lot to like here not the least of which is maybe jason garrett showing up I know it'll be a little run heavier approach, but it worked out okay for guys like Tony Romo. And, you know, I I just feel like this is a good situation. And you mentioned the thing that kind of gets me enthusiastic as well on top of that is the mobility. It's overlooked with him. You know, we all think of Josh Allen as a top 10 quarterback. And and Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why is that floor he brings with his mobility. I think Jones brings a little bit. Just got to hold on to it. Secure the ball, son yeah, well, that's um, the big
2: problem that, is the fumbles. But, you know, but, but he said he was working on that. so that's let's hopefully that that's something he can. And you know what, to that extent, too, Bob. I mean, how much of that the the fumbles and the lost fumbles at that too, do you put on the offensive line that really has been matter. a problem? I, I would fair agree matter. with that too.
3: And I think the other thing you know that you can do here, one of my approaches, you know I love this approach is you reach up a little bit for the rising quarterback because there's Matthew Stafford waiting as your quarterback too, or some other guy, some other veteran guy that's going to be not going or not as trendy. So I'm not afraid to reach up for a Jones guy. I think has a ton of upside. We're all looking at Kyler Murray as the year two, two guy who's going to make the big splash. Well, yeah, you're going to pay for that. You're not paying for it so much with Jones. Reach up around, round nine, you know, maybe he's still there around 10 and then look behind him and see if you can't get a Matthew Stafford or one of the, you know, look, I've seen Aaron Rodgers go going some of the drafts we've been in you know, later than him. I mean, we get a little edgy in some of the industry drafts, and that's probably not going to be the same in the home league, but you maybe get them even a little later. And, you know, they're going to be Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, guys like that sitting around.
2: And he might be one of these guys too, Bob, that you think about and say, uh, like we just talked about the running backs, you know, at any given time, someone tests positive for COVID, they are right. going to come out for a couple of weeks. So even in a single quarterback league this year, having a very capable second quarterback is not the worst idea in the world. It's just not. Like, it's something I think we all have to prepare for. And if you're drafting Drew Brees, you might even want to think about a Winston. You know, I don't want to handcuff quarterbacks all over the place, but you also have to look at, we've been talking about this a lot, some of the teams and what the structures look like when you downgrade from that starting quarterback to the next guy, some of those drop-offs are significant and others not so much. So you got to kind of hedge your bets a little bit. When Bob and I come back, we're going to have a fun discussion we're going to talk about some fantasy points to be had on some bad teams because i know it's one of bob's favorite things he likes to look for the cheap assets that are out there sometimes and use them to his advantage because he's a cagey man and that's why i love him so we're going to hit a break we come back here on fantasy sports today we're going to talk about some of the lesser teams in the nfl that might have some decent fantasy options we'll be back after this
0: in game live. You you talk about the guy on second base. I think that could be just this season under the guise of safety and safety controls. I don't know how they're going to maintain this. No high fives. No, you know, hugging at that whole plate on a walk-off home run. No, you know, or, or what about no fights? I imagine that you'll get a warning first, something like that, and then low fines, $50, 100 I don't know, to try and get you to stop. Catch the program
1: every single day on Tsy Radio and on the Sports Grid Network betting around the rim. No one knows
2: anything. We just found out Chris Middleton didn't touch a basketball for four months.
0: Excuse me? Like, Chris, you don't have a ball in your house at all that you just... I'm not talking about touching a shot. Like, you didn't touch it. You didn't have a basketball in your hand. You You didn't do anything where you're, like, shooting in the middle of your room. Like, I don't understand.
1: The Sports Grid Network. Pharrell.
3: I've seen some teams are going to start heading there on July 7th, July 8th, July 9th to train. You know, they're going to try to get a couple games in before they actually start playing on July 30th. But, you know, he sounds funny there because he's like, oh, well, you know, there's a 14-day quarantine. I also heard him in that interview say that he's going to be allowed to
0: leave through some back door and go in and out of the place. You know, they all have to stay in the bubble and they can't leave. But I'm going to be going in and out of
1: it. The Sports Grid Network. Diamond bets.
2: Yes, we got baseball back, and it's like that moment in the you know in in the Avengers movies where she asks him what did it cost you, and he and he says everything. <laughs> you know, and I, I just don't want it to cost everything, man. I just don't.
4: Dave, and I don't want to be that guy. But if you truly love something, whether it be mm-hmm. sports investment, whether it be ping pong, whether it be gardening, if you truly love something, you find a way to do it. My father always said that to me.
1: The Sports Grid Network.
6: And welcome back. Head on over to the FanDuel Sportsbook. A lot of Major League Baseball betting opportunities are there for you. Some new ones just posted. Odds to win all of the different awards are up on FanDuel. And, of course, uh, Pat McAfee show brought to you by FanDuel and SportsGrid. On with us every single day. Very excited for our new programming schedule uh, right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. If you want more information, just go to our website. You can check it all out. Today, we're going to take a look at two teams and two season win totals. In baseball, and if you missed any of them, go back. You can watch them on demand on YouTube. Joe and I have run through every win total from A all the way through S, as it stands here on the show. So I guess <laughs> we'll be done with that next week, and then we'll have some real baseball the following week. It seems. Uh, okay, Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> Pittsburgh yeah, Pirates. Let's hit on them. Uh, oh, over yeah. 25 and a half. You bet 100, you win 106 bucks. <sighs> but clearly, the huge lean here is on the under 25 and a half at minus 128. So, look, the Pirates uh, are predicted to go under every year they go over. I mean, that's pretty much what happens in the last decade. The Pirates are always – they always have a low number, Joe. And uh, last year was the first time they actually did go under their total. In general, they're, you know, a 75-win team when you think they're going to win 68 or 71. Uh, Now they're really up against it, though, because they're they're headed toward a rebuild. Mm -hmm. They have what I would call one superstar player – and another really good player, and then they're sort of bereft of talent the rest of the way. They're waiting on on good young pitching to come around. Their past pitching, who they've drafted, were complete disasters, and they traded away, you know, all their talent. They traded away Austin Meadows. They traded away Tyler Glass. Now they made a uh, trade away Garrett Cole. Yeah. And they didn't get uh, enough
2: back in any of those
6: deals. It, it co- look, it cost the GM his job. It, co- it cost Neil Huntington his job. McCutcheon, and, we can add him to the list, too. Yeah, I mean, they were going to move him eventually. But, but I think I think Neil Huntington would probably say, you know, like, I mean, you, you didn't do well on those deals. <laughs> you just didn't, you didn't do well. Right. And your building for the future is, is is on a couple of players. And look, O'Neal, Cruz, they, they do have some potential talent. Newman and Reynolds. I mean, these are nice players. But I I think that it it wouldn't shock me to see even a guy like Reynolds move. Like, I I think that they are headed headed down big time. But this number isn't really that hard to attain. You know, 26 and 34 is horrible in a 60-game stretch. And that would put them over this total. So... Yeah, I certainly would lean under. There's a lot of people who are really strong on uh, on Pittsburgh betting the under this year. It's like a favorite for a lot of people. They think they're just going to be downright horrible. But look, the Pirates seem to overachieve every year with whoever they have. So I'm I'm not going to be that strong on it. But it would seem to me that I, I can't see them winning, uh, being a 500 team with this roster. No, they are not a 500 team. And I
2: think I'm leaning heavily on the under on this one as well because – uh, as Craig said earlier, when we were having the discussion about the closer of the Pittsburgh Pirates, if you've already had breakfast and now you're going to look at this depth chart, that might not be a good idea. So let's do it, and I did, and I, you know, almost had to go and get the basket because let's not forget too, you also lost Chris Archer for this roster, so he's gone yeah, now too. Whatever. Oh no, wait, no, no! I'm just going to go down thing. You lost Starling Marte from this lineup year over year too. Uh, I think Josh Bell could help a lot of teams. I think he'd be a huge help to the Texas Rangers. If I'm the Rangers, that's I think the guy I go.
6: Be- I do, think and, so.
2: and I think, like I said, the Rangers are a team that I could see him in the middle of that order with Gallo and Calhoun, and that could be a big help and turn that over right away. And then they have a hole at first place, too, that they could certainly fill with him. The rest of this pitching staff, we got Musgrove, who has some moments – but again, moments does not make a, an ace of a rotation or a number one. I'm not Perfect. making
6: the mistake on Musgrove that I made three years ago. Well, I what? hope I hope he ends up being a really good pitcher. I don't see it.
2: I hope so, too. But, you know, we have to be honest. I mean, Mitch Keller had some moments in the minor leagues, too, has not translated to the big leagues. No. It's it's not a good rotation. This rotation right now, and you can, you know, make a, a joke you want about Chris Archer. Chris Archer, if he's healthy, and he was not healthy last year and clearly not healthy this year, would have been a force that would have been made me afraid of that. 25. Like I would I would have been right there with you going, Yeah, you know what? They really could pop out there because a couple good healthy Chris Archer starts. But again, I think he would have been traded too. You look at what's missing. If they do move players like Ryan Reynolds, who I think could help a team, or Josh Bell, who obviously would, this could really bottom out here. This could be a 20-win team, as crazy as that sounds. But if they go 20 and 40, that would not shock me at all. And this is another team. There's no reason or incentive for them to start the pipeline and start bringing guys up either.
6: They don't so, really have the pipeline. They don't
2: have the pipeline well, ready. Neil
6: Cruz is really, well, keep Brian Hayes too. But I, but I got to tell you, even keep Brian Hayes. I'm not sure that he's a star of any kind. I'm
2: not sure. Oh, I look, I like what they did in the draft this year. I think they're moving in the right direction. Uh, but at the same time, it's going to take a couple of years for those guys to well, start. It's going to take more
6: than a couple. They're going right. to be bad for a while. So
2: they're going to be bad for a while. And I think it starts this year. And you know what? It's better to be bad and awful, awful in a 60-game season than a 162-game season. Because guess what? That draft pick you get next year, it was the same if you lost, you know, 100 yeah, that's, games that's a if, you lost, if you yeah. lost 40. So from a fan base standpoint, it's better to be really bad this year if you think you're going to be bad. Trade everybody. Move everyone. Do everything you can. You might not get a lot back. But look, at this point, that's not what it's about. I'm looking at the Pirates and, Craig, I don't see how they get to 25. I really don't. And And the division they're playing in, too— the Cubs are a good offensive team. The Reds are a very good offensive team. The Brewers are gonna hit. I mean, this is tough, man. I don't see how they're gonna compete with any of these teams. Do you?
6: I mean, again, twenty six and thirty four is, is bad. And, it can, and it's and it's possible. I'm not I'm not look, I I would not bet the over, but I would lean under, but I don't know that this
2: Joe was, Musgrove I, and Trevor Williams are at the top of this rotation. No, they
6: look across across the board, and it's not going to look the same in a month. They're going to try and unload everybody if they possibly.
2: Can. <laughs> well, they, if it's going to get worse, then how do you not at least get really excited about the under on here? It,
6: maybe so, but they have had decent. Success oh, I know you're right. They're own like, vision. You're right. You're right, but I just don't trust. No,
2: James. The, them on being the same horrible.
6: Today. Downright There's, horrible. I, I, I don't yeah. trust it. They, they always seem to pull it out. All right, uh, San Diego Padres. Their win total for this year is 30 and a half. There was tremendous pressure on this team to win going into the season. Their over is minus 118. Their under is minus 104. As we stand, uh, it is there's a lot of superstars on this team. Clearly, Hosmer, uh, you know Manny Machado, great starting pitching, great bullpen too, and they really haven't hit other been hit other than Fam from what I understand with any player that's been missing time. So I'm going to lean over here on the Padres because I I don't I think that this is like a message type season for them that, hey, we're back and it may only be back by one game or two games over 500. But when I know that there is internal pressure on an organization and a general manager, usually that general manager, Joe, is not going to worry about what's going to happen in two years from now. So if they're close, they're going to start unloading guys. Uh, to get better. And okay. and I do think the Padres are better than they were last year, and I do think they will be about ab- above over 500, which will be just enough for everybody to keep their jobs in the 2021. But make no mistake about it, 2021, the Padres either have to make the postseason, uh, get to the World Series, or something. I mean, it has been too long for them to be mediocre. Well,
2: long. I think this is one of those teams where the shortened season really helps them, plus the DH helps them, too, because the lineup in the second part of this lineup, the second half of it, needed to get lengthened a little bit. And having some of these options like Naylor, like Will Myers, like some other guys that they could throw in there and get some more offense is a good thing. Not to mention maybe Mejia uh, gets more at-bats for him because he's not the greatest defensive catcher. But everybody says, hey, this is a guy that's going to hit. Well, let's, let's move him out from behind the plate and make him a DH and call their bluff finally and see if we can get him out there maybe too. That's a guy we actually did not discuss at that DH conversation in San Diego. And perhaps we should have in retrospect. I look at this pitching staff and I say to myself, well, Chris Paddock. I think is ready to be an ace. I think he is ready for that next level. He was fantastic last year. Of course, they managed his innings in the middle. He wasn't the same after he got off of his routine, which is always a dangerous thing with a young pitcher, especially is, you know, when you get them off their routine, it's always difficult for them to get back on track. And he was good in the second half, not as good as he was in the first, but also the wear and tear of the season. Now you don't have to worry about that. I don't know what you're going to get out of Garrett Richards, but I do know this. I know Denelson Lamette has a big time strikeout rate and could be a guy that could get red hot. I know that Joey Lucchese is the guy that's going to keep you in games. He is a quality start kind of a pitcher, and I think that's very important. I think Fernando Tatis is a superstar. I don't think Eric Hosmer is, but I think Tatis is. And him and Machado in this lineup, and if Tommy Pham is healthy eventually, this is a really good, you know, one, two, three, four, basically, that you're looking at. I still think they're a bad away. Uh, but you look at the rest of this rotation, too. I mean, if Davies is of these guys can go out and give you five, six innings, that's a positive. And they are a team that if they get hot right away, they can bring up a Mackenzie Gore and will push because this is that moment where this team has found the time to push their chips in the middle of the table. So this is a team that's ready to do that, as Craig is telling you. And I think for sure the Padres are going to. And if Gore comes into this rotation for even four or five starts and is really good. That's a definite difference maker. And I think the Padres are, look, sometimes you take a shot on a team. I think everything lines up properly here for the San Diego Padres this year. Yes, it's a gamble, but I think it's a smart one and a good one. I would actually go for the over here.
6: Yeah, I I think I I like the over too. I I do think so. I don't think that they'll be great. I think that they'll underachieve a little bit, but you're not really asking a lot for this team to go above 500. The only issue for the Padres is and and look for them to go over 500 on the season they have got to play 500 against the Dodgers i mean they, that has got to happen if, you're right if they, if they get you know blown away by that team and they play them a lot and and it's arguably the best team in baseball or second best team in baseball then you know potentially they could go uh, they could go under their schedule is also all not that favorable But, look, they have a good team. I don't think it's great. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what the Padres will be. The
2: bullpen's pretty good, too, by the way, Craig. I don't know know, if you've looked at that bullpen lately. But, you know, you have Yates. You added Pomeranz and Pagan to that bullpen already. Uh, I know Perdomo is a nice young pitcher, too. Strom uh, had some moments last year, too. So that's the other thing we keep looking for in these teams is if they have any concerns about the starting pitching, well, how's the bullpen? Because all gloves are off now, you know, with managing these bullpens, you don't have to worry about six months. You have to worry about 60 games. Big difference. And I think this is a bullpen that you can tax. It has depth. It has some really big-time arms as well. And that's what you're looking for. Can this team add young arms? Yeah, Patino's in there. They got a couple guys coming through this. Man, they could get really good really quickly in August if they decided to really push everything in there by the end of August. I like this Padres team. I think they're going to surprise. If they don't play well against the Dodgers, Craig, let's say they're not 500 against the Dodgers, then they have to beat up on the Diamondbacks. One of the two things have to happen.
6: I like them a lot. That
2: is a good team. But if you can't keep pace with the Dodgers, you have to take care of your business against the Diamondbacks and having winning record against them. And I think if they do, then they can still get to above 500 as well. But I'm excited about the White Sox. I'm excited about the Padres. Those are the teams going into this year that I really wanted to see play out there. And uh, again, I think they are built for this shorter haul because you don't put the pressure of 180 innings on the paddock arm. I think that's a big difference there because I think this guy is legit. Do you think that paddock, which you saw last year, is a legit front of the rotation starter? Because I do.
6: Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm, uh, you know, I saw him pitch a few times much deeper into games, and I was really impressed that he came back at the end of last season after they thought that they were going to shut him down. So he's got the
2: mental makeup, which is what I was He has a, he has a chance
6: for. to be a star. There's, there's yeah. no doubt. But, uh, look, he, he's already had his Tommy John surgery and gotten that out of the way. So uh, we'll see what happens for him this year, too. The so is Padres. Lucas Giolito. <laughs> so is everybody nowadays. Yep. I got one next week. We all going to have Tommy <laughs> Show. The, pa- oh, the Padres <laughs> could be good. I'm not going to rule that out for sure. All right, um... Here's what we're going to do when we come back next. We're going to take a look at some uh, fantasy football news and notes. We got uh, running backs and talking about some of the missed opportunities that they had to score, how that could have potentially changed fantasy. And then our good friend Gray Albright will join us for our final segment here on this Friday edition of the show. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Biss, Joe Pizapia, And we're going to be back right after this quick timeout. So don't go back.
1: Diamond
2: Bets. End of the day, they decided the grievance was a better path than trying to get the agreement. And I got to be honest with you, Matt, I think it's going to be very hard two years down the road because we all know when the grievance gets filed, it's not going to happen next week. You're not going to file the grievance on Tuesday and then next Thursday you're going to have a court hearing. It's going to take years for this grievance to get aired in a courtroom. And when it does, you have to prove that Major League Baseball was acting in bad faith.
1: The Sports Grid Network. In game live.
0: You you talk about the guy on second base. I think that could be just this season under the guise of safety and safety controls. I don't know how they're going to maintain this. No high fives. No, you know, hugging at that whole plate on a walk-off home run. No, you know. Or, or what about no fights? I imagine that you'll get a warning first, something like that, and then low fines, $50, I don't know, to try and get you to stop. Catch the
1: program every single day on Tsy Radio and on the Sports Grid Network. Pharrell. Post coast! Well, I think the NBA wants Zion Williamson
0: to be everything, the face of the league. He is the future. It's Jordan, LeBron, Zion Williamson. I would much rather have the ball in the hands of Doncic or uh, Tatum at the end of a game than Zion Williamson. Uh, you know, Zion shooting 58%, a lot of it's dunks, a lot of it's buckets right at the rim, which I love. Give me that low-paid block.
1: The Sports Grid Network. Line up, ladies! The early line.
0: One of them is the higher-seeded team
4: being
6: awarded the first possession of the second, third, and fourth quarters. Obviously, the jump ball will start the game. Uh, Another suggestion uh, has been the higher seed being allowed to designate one player to be able to be whistled for seven fouls instead of six before (laughs) fouling out. Uh, The higher-seeded team receiving
1: an extra coaches challenge. The Sports Grid Network. You call these bagels? Bagels and bad beats. With all the negative publicity and all the grief that this country is going through, the absolute last thing a sport would want is to suspend one of its players for using steroids. The Sports Grid Network.
0: You're watching Sports Grid.
1: Get on the grid.
6: And once upon a time when you played in fantasy football, it was all about touchdowns. It simply was a lot of leagues, at least that I played in, you got 10 yards, you got a point. You got 20 yards, you got a point. 31 more. In some leagues, you got 100 yards, you got just a couple of points. And then obviously we realized that touchdowns are not the be-all, end-all. And uh, touchdown vultures started to come into play. And it's an interesting topic of of conversation because there are some running backs, Joe, in fantasy last year that had they cashed in at the end zone a few times, their output would have looked a lot different and potentially maybe we would be looking at them differently this year, too. Yeah,
2: and not only that, too, it's it's what the offensive lines look like that always impact running backs to a certain degree. But Mike Teglier, friend of the show here, who's been on with us on Fantasy Sports today. You know him from Fantasy Pros, and uh, he's also a contributor to the Fantasy Black Book 2020 behind me. But Mike did this fantastic piece, and I really wanted to share it with folks because what he did was he went in and he talked to me about a couple of weeks ago. He said, I'm doing this thing where I've gone through, like, every snap, and I've realized that there are basically – scoring opportunities in fantasy depending on where you are in the field at that moment the depth of target or the 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 point in which a guy is getting a rushing attempt and all of this stuff and basically the difference between achieved points and expected points and then there's a variance between them so you see the guys who are really efficient who basically got x number of opportunities and cashed in guys who didn't get a lot of opportunities and really cashed in and well above board which You could point to them and say, "Hmm, maybe there's some regression there potentially because it can't always be that good. And then on the flip side, some guys that had tons of opportunity and didn't cash in, which you could call some fantasy disappointments. But if that opportunity carries over from 19 to season 2020, all of a sudden these are guys that you should not – Undervalued too much in your leagues, and I thought this was a really fascinating thing that he put together here. And the first one on this list was Leonard Fournette. Now, in terms of uh, where he was in scoring opportunities last year, he ranked third overall in scoring opportunities. However, he finished as the ninth running back. So a lot of people going into this year are looking at Leonard Fournette and saying, Ah, oh, you know, well he had a lot of a lot of receptions last year, and you know he touched the ball a lot in different you know spots, but man, he didn't score a lot of touchdowns and blah blah. You can go back and forth. But the point of the matter is he was in place for those opportunities. So even if the Jaguars don't get incredibly better or if they fall back or stay the same, the opportunities are there. And that's something to take hold because basically Fournette's going as an RB2 and he's getting opportunities to score points at a very high elite level, a top five level, which is kind of scary when you consider things. Plus he doesn't have a great backup. It's not like he's losing touches anytime soon. It's on the last year of this deal. So when I tell you that and the, the variance between third, and then ninth in the finish, it's kind of eye-opening, isn't it, a little bit, when you look at Leonard Fournette?
6: It is, and I I don't think he'll start the season with Jacksonville. I I know that they've had a hard time trading him, but I I don't think that they can take the risk of going into the season and getting nothing for him before he ends up inevitably leaving. So uh, even with those numbers, I think that he could possibly end up in a better situation. It wouldn't shock me to see that happen. But, um, look, when he's on the field, he catches the ball out of the backfield, he virtually you know gets as many goal line carries as he possibly can and uh, and I think that he'll end up in a much better situation so whether he's traded before week 1 or after week 1 I don't see him finishing out the year with Jacksonville and I know that hmm. there aren't a ton of spots out there that make sense where he'd be the primary ball carrier. But I do think that there's a chance that that happens.
2: What are some of those spots in your opinion? Because I'm of the same mind as you where I would like to see Leonard Fournette on a different offense with a different quarterback at this point. question is, I don't know who's really looking for another running back right now. I mean, I know Raheem Mostert, your boy, seems to want out of San Francisco. I don't know if that's a swap that everybody wants to make because he wants to get paid and I don't blame him because most are this is his window to get paid right off of that postseason like if you're going to make some money you've been on five teams in five years you want to kind of get your coin when you can get it but man I mean Leonard Fournette and the uh, Shadahan offense would be fun
6: (laughs) yeah I mean there would be good if if Seattle would decide hey look we just want to make him the guy instead and and, Uh, that's an interesting one too wouldn't surprise me you know I mean at this point with Carson I, I know he's getting drafted high in a lot of these drafts but I'm not sure that I'm uh, resold that he's uh, that he's in with them again this year, and uh, and look, the Rams you know, they have a rookie, but who's to say that Fournette Rams him, will be a great spot? Yeah, who's to say that he that he sits behind Acres for a year and, and then they let Fournette go? If they it, apparently the Rams still want to try and win, so I think that that's a possibility for for them as well. Um, beyond that, there are um, some
2: options. The Rams is a good one. I like the Rams spot too because I don't think they have like. I'm high on Cam Akers, too. Like, I'd like to see him perform well, but I think I'm kind of with you. Like, let's just get one more year as somebody like Cam
6: Akers get his feet wet in the NFL. The problem is, is that they anointing. tried to trade him for even, like, a third-round pick. They couldn't do it, and so—
2: Which is a shame because, again, he's one of the—the You know, the problem is the injury track record we
6: get to four net, but— no, that's true, and he's not a guy of, that comes back fast either.
2: No, and in terms of fantasy opportunity, though— This guy had it all over the place last year. Another guy who had great fantasy scoring opportunity was Joe Mixon, who kind of was held up for the first couple games. People remember it wasn't scoring touchdowns, wasn't doing things right. He was ranked seventh overall in terms of scoring opportunity. So he's nearly a top five overall guy in that category. However, in 2019, he finished as the 13th overall running back. Now I am very high on Joe Mixon this year. I have him as a low end first round running back. I would be very happy to get him. I think he's getting a ton of the workload there. Uh, This is another guy that with the Joe Burrow experiment here, I think is going to benefit from that potentially and a healthy A.J. Green too to stretch the field a little bit or just healthy. Anybody out there in the wide receiving core would help because last year there were a ton of injuries there and it was really easy to come up and get eight in the box against Mixon. But this is another guy where he finished down lower, but the opportunity for points was much higher. So going into this year, if you think theoretically, the quarterback is better the offense is better they made adjustments last year after the first month of the season to get mixing the ball down at the goal line more i think Mixon's is a guy that's probably on the rise in fantasy leagues would you agree with that as well
6: he's on the rise i don't see him playing without a new contract and he could be the melvin gordon of this year where he just simply plays in order to get the service time at the end i'm very concerned there i i yeah, I, I'm not. I, I mean, at least from Cook, there's been some sort of scuttle that they're that well, you know what he wants to uh, play for. But I, 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 if I'm Joe Mixon, I cannot play without a new contract. And given what he's given to the team in the last two years, I think that he'd be in the right. If mm-hmm. he told me that he was signed and he was ready to go and was going to play 16, I would 100% agree. But without that, I, I am concerned for a holdout with him. I I'll tell you, you know. what.
2: I'll take it a step further. I think it's imperative that they pay him and get him in camp as soon as they possibly can, as soon as camps happen. I mean, look,
6: no one's getting paid like they used to, and the next guy we're going to talk about is the last highly paid running back probably. Well, I mean, McCaffrey did get paid, so.
2: Oh, yeah, I was going to say, CMC got paid. I think Saquon's did get paid. paid, But but I
6: I just don't, (laughs) I I don't see Mixon getting that. So he's he's going to have to make a decision- But and I don't and, think he, is and he also has to understand that his value is basically tied to the team that he is now. So he's mm-hmm. with now. So I, I, I'm I'm worried about. I'm more worried about him holding out than Dalvin Cook. I mean, I don't think there's any chance. See,
2: I, I'm less. I am actually less because I I think that uh, right, the structure of what's Coach going on that. it affects them. It affects them in their following year for agency if they hold out. See, that's the whole thing now. you have missed X number of games. The structure of what happened post Le'Veon Bell has changed in the CBA. In this new agreement. So that, I think, enters into it where they have a little less leverage. But from the Bengals standpoint, you can't put all your stock into Joe Burrow and not give him a running game that's going to succeed. And the running game that's going to succeed is led by Joe Mixon, not anybody else on this roster. And if they had drafted somebody else, like a Jonathan Taylor or Swift or somebody like that was on this roster, I'd say, "Eh, I don't know, maybe they are willing to let him go to holdout. They didn't. There's nobody else
6: going right now.
2: Uh, Mix is going basically around the uh, yeah, around the turn, somewhere around there in drafts. Yeah. I, would, I would
6: draft him top five if if he was signed.
2: Uh, I love him too. I mean, him and Dalvin Cook, those guys, if I they're think in Mason camp,
6: Anderson has a chance to be unbelievable. But I'm with you, he's got to be. He's got to be signed.
2: And the opportunity again was there it's last year for him to cash in.
6: Just exactly. their backup Rodney Anderson?
2: <laughs> no, their backup is still Giovanni Bernard, if he could believe it. What? Yeah, we've been doing shows long enough that Giovanni Bernard is still in the league. That we had used to have that. Do you remember that fun used to have? Well, my guy's still in the league. Where's your guy? He's who not even I like league. Hill. Yeah. <laughs> At least my guy's still kicking around. We were both wrong, I'm but glad. mine's still a lot. Anyway, let's go to the next guy who did get paid, as uh, Craig so uh, aptly put it. There, uh, Le'Veon Bell. He actually ranked eighth in terms of opportunities for fantasy points last year. That's crazy when you consider it was kind of a lackluster season for him and for the Jets as well. Uh, But he finished at the 17th overall running back. Now, Le'Veon Bell is getting drafted way later than he was last year so when there was a discount last year. However, I feel like he's going so late that it's the opposite, where there's opportunity. They are bereft of a lot of talent in the wide receiving core. I think he has a chance. I don't know if he's going to, but he's a chance to lead this team in receptions, I think, in 2020. And I do believe they will score more touchdowns as long as Darnold plays 16 games. They, you know, The fact that he missed time, the fact that it took him a while to get healthy and get back, the whole team never really got going. I don't love the Jets' offense, but this is another guy, huge variance, right, for Le'Veon Bell. I think you yeah. buy back in now that the buy-in's cheap, right?
6: Yeah, completely agree. All right, I think he'll have a big year...
2: Yeah. He Look, no, he's gonna lose second. a couple to Frank.
6: Is he is he going later than the second round? And oh round?
2: yeah, oh he's going like fourth round. In oh, somebody. I would take him. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the last guy here is your favorite guy, David Montgomery of oh, the Bears. No, forget so it. last yeah. year, yeah, but here we go. Last year, opportunity for scoring based on again the touches where he had them, all this stuff.
6: Yeah, this 15, this is this is where what? if you watch the games, then this this doesn't make all it right.
2: Better. Well, well, here's the thing: 15th <laughs> overall in opportunity for fantasy scoring, he ended up finishing 25th.
6: And what does that tell you about the guy?
2: It tells me that uh, unfortunately he couldn't uh, him or the offensive line wasn't doing enough to get yeah, him in I, the I, end.
6: I don't like the player. You
2: realize he was one of the top guys in terms of carries within the 5. He's I getting shocked
6: me at all. I watched a lot of him last year. He couldn't score.
2: Right, but what I'm saying is do we want to write off a guy after one year with a bad offensive line and a terrible quarterback play?
6: Yeah. I don't I don't <laughs> want to write him off yet. It's not writing him off. I just, I don't. Well, think you're getting him dirt I don't cheap. think he's anywhere near as talented as, as I thought, two years ago.
2: I don't know, man. I feel like, I feel like we don't want to sell it out too cheap. Do I, 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 I'm telling you, I think as a, is a fourth running back, is a third Where running back. He
6: going? What, what round?
2: Oh, I'll, I'll pull up the ADP, but like I tell you, basically you can have him as your third or fourth running back easily. No. Yes. Still- yes. He's going uh, somewhere in the in their RB three grouping, so that's somewhere around the sixth, seventh round, something like that.
6: Really, that's surprising.
2: <laughs> that's why I'm saying let's let's go.
6: Well, listen, there's go. always a spot for every player. Uh, and look, in the seventh round, of course. Are you sure seventh round?
2: Now you're gonna, you're gonna make going me that do it.
6: Late? You're <laughs> sure about this?
2: I'm gonna I've... I'm gonna have to do this now. I hope we have enough time to do it. My fingers are fast enough here, but for yeah, Montgomery, but I don't think I could do it then. But I don't know. But I mean, I'm saying is. This is a guy. I find that, it hard
6: to believe that he's going that late, but if he is, uh, look, you're more into this than me. I'll take your word for ADP it. ADP
2: is going fiftieth overall, so there you go.
6: So that so is somewhere
2: in the fifth round.
6: That's not the fifth round ADP. Well,
2: that's I'm just, just saying he's in going, what
6: league? A ten-team league? Who's playing? Well, in a team
2: ten to twelve-team league? league, he's going somewhere in the fifth round. Well, team fourth, league, he's a I haven't seen him go round in the fourth. Guys,
6: round. Guys. I've
2: no. all the draft I've done, never seen him go in the fourth round. He always goes later than that.
6: But so. his ADP is fifty.
2: He's, his overall ADP is ECR, so that's that's the expert consensus ranking. That's not quite the same thing. But you also got him, basically, he's going as the all last right. RB2, which is what I said, top of RB3. All Just right, saying. Right.
6: Whatever. E- either way, it's not as drastic as, as I thought.
2: It's going in the fifth or sixth round. Trust me. I've all seen right.
6: it. We'll uh, be back with Gray Albright, who's going in the first round of our yes. show. Right after <laughs>
0: In game live. Able to actually throw the ball again. Well, this week we also heard Mike Tomlin, and he said that he was comfortable with where Big Ben was in his rehab. Not ecstatic, not happy, not overjoyed, but comfortable. I don't know what that means. Yeah, not only uh, you know, is Big Ben doing what he's doing, and 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 the Steelers didn't address that, they don't even have the guy that they drafted as the backup, Josh Dobbs. Catch the program
1: every single day on Evan TSY Radio and on the Sports Grid Network. Morning after.
0: Every practice has to be your own team in your own facility. That's the rule this year. So the Raiders, who usually do things in a very unique way, they've got to now uh, pivot to their facility, which is supposedly
2: on schedule. I don't know how, but it is. And I think the joint practices could affect things. Uh, but staying in their own buildings, I, I don't think that has any,
1: any impact. The Sports Grid Network. Diamond bets
4: the Minnesota twins and Joe this is a team that's that's it's calling me for my money (laughs) well look it was a hell of a year for the twins last year sometimes Vegas has those those trick kind of plays and you and I've talked about in the past and savvy investors know to stay away and other times Vegas has the gifts and I think this is a gift here unless there's something about Kenta Maeda that that Vegas knows that the rest of the world does not
1: know the sports grid network
0: line
1: up ladies the early line why not just name them the damn buckeyes
0: because all they do is take ohio state players let's talk about some of the candidates Mm. though i've heard washington warriors i've heard red Mm. tails i've heard a lot of different things um, that can even kind of preserve maybe some of the some of the narrative but i think the washington roses would be a very strong name now i know there's going to be a lot of people like roses
1: that's not manly the sports grid network
6: As we head toward the weekend, it's our weekly fireside chat with Gray Albright of Razball.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Razzball. You can also go on Twitter and find some comment to most things on social media. You can find him uh, commenting on. I don't know where he gets the time for that. Gray, uh, good uh, afternoon, morning for you. How are you? What's going on?
5: Oh, oh. <laughs> what's going on? Let's see. Um, Nothing? Nah, I don't know. I mean, the usual. I feel like we're going to get a baseball season, which is Feels good. good, right? Yeah, yeah I yeah. think, uh, you know, like I've been saying to people who are, like, pessimistic about baseball happening, I was like, ah, I think MLB is going to cram this down our throats, whether you think it's a good idea or not. I think we're getting a baseball
6: season. I I do. The only thing that would derail it is if, you know, I, at this no point, fun. I think it w- it would require Trout to opt out and several players to follow. Like that that's the only thing that that would have to happen. And then you even wonder if they would just continue it and play. That's why they have sixty guys, you know, in camp. Oh, so, yeah. um, you know, they would they would certainly try and do that. How, how long are you um, where you are located now in Palm Springs? you permanently there now, or what's going uh, on? Uh,
5: yeah, no, I'm here uh, probably for another month. Maybe it depends on. When I want to head back to LA, I mean it, it's kind of like, you know, we're wherever at this point because it doesn't really matter because you can't go out in California at all. So you know, we're we're yeah. right now we're in Palm Springs because uh, the house is a little nicer. <laughs> so we'll go back to uh, LA probably at some point, but yeah, I mean, my home base is LA. Uh, but yeah, as for the uh, MLB thing. I honestly, I don't even think Mike Trout opting out would have any effect. I uh, I don't want to get this too dark and gloomy, but I feel like it would have to be like a really bad situation with coronavirus for the season to not happen. Where, yeah, no, like, no,
6: I, 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 like, whole team I understand
5: something. that. Yeah. yeah, like if a team or something gets like, uh, you know, like it's a widespread situation, then probably. But yeah, I, I feel like Mike Trout is definitely not returning after um, the baby is born. So I think he
6: feels like that's the case for sure.
5: (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. Mike Trout, he, I, uh, you know, we were talking last week about Mike Trout and I was saying still at number three overall, but yeah, I backed off of
6: that (laughs) (laughs) a week later.
5: I completely changed my tune on that after hearing some news reports about him. Just like, you know, uh, being so tentative about playing. So I'm like, mm, yeah, no, I wouldn't take him three anymore. <laughs> I'd probably drop him to like, I mean, actually I did drop him. I dropped him to like the end of the first round for snake drafts. So,
6: Did you move up Any anything significant from last week to this week? I guess the best player in Jeopardy is Freddie Freeman. It seems like there's a significant Jeopardy with, with him playing at all. Uh, let me see. Nola is back. Right. So, so yeah, I, I think that there's a chance that maybe he doesn't start right away, but he'll he'll be part of the team. Kingery is back too. Um, uh Gallo, I guess, is another one. Have you been adjusting this like every day?
5: Yeah, no, I've been doing uh, some fantasy baseball ranking adjustments based on COVID. I, uh, I moved Freeman down to, I think, 45 overall. That seems about where I would take him now in a snake draft, which is. About twenty two dollars in a twelve team league like I think still, it's too high,
6: man. Yeah. I
5: don't yeah, know. A- 18 to twenty-two. Yeah. I mean, still like I mean, I would still draft him because everyone's got, you know, everyone's got question marks. And uh, you know, maybe because he got COVID already and is already feeling better. This is also unknown. Like I was uh I was saying, you know, recently to someone that like, you know, for asymptomatic people. I haven't been moving in the rankings at all. And for symptomatic people, I have been moving, but that's also very like, I don't know. I mean, this is such an inexact science um, dealing actually with science, (laughs) but it's like, you know, it's so unknown that I don't know, like uh, a guy like Joey Gallo, for instance, he tested positive, then negative, then positive, then negative. Like, so, okay, where does that take us? Uh, I guess, you know, I'm assuming he's okay. And it sounds like, you know, Kingery, like you mentioned is okay. I think in reality, I'm actually kind of encouraged by all these guys who are testing positive, but returning fairly quickly. I mean, some of these guys are like, you know, like you hear someone like Eduardo Rodriguez test positive and has symptoms, but then like two days later, he's feeling better and he wants to get back with the team. So I think it's, I mean, I, not to be like Pollyanne, but I think it's a good thing in some ways. Yeah,
6: that- I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I would prefer to not take anyone with it because I just think that they could test positive even when they don't have symptoms in a week and a month. And remember, they have to test negative twice to be back on a field. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, certainly I think that's the the dynamic as well. Uh, as far as like prospects are concerned, it, it seems to me that there's a chance at least on some of the good teams that we're going to have an opportunity to maybe see some players that uh, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have before I think most people thought Wander Franco had a shot to make his debut it seems like a foregone conclusion at this point if the Rays are in it they're going to end up using him Um, pitchers it's a little tougher I guess because you would only see them for a handful of starts and a handful of innings I don't know that they're targets but have you like switched that up at all or is it more or less same rankings for you
5: Yeah, no, a few guys like uh, Nate Pearson, for instance, the Blue Jays rookie pitcher who looks like amazing. I moved him up uh, a little bit. Uh, Mackenzie Gore on the Padres, who I like a lot. I moved him up a little bit. Uh, Guy you're very familiar with, Eduardo Cabrera. I haven't touched at all. I haven't heard anything. Uh, I do own him on my labor team though, so I wouldn't mind having him get some innings. I uh, I haven't moved up a ton of rookies. Um, in general, I haven't really moved up guys. If anything, I've, mo- like, you know, by the process of moving down guys, some guys obviously move up anyway. Yeah, right, but for yeah. the most part, I've kind of, like, with rankings, I've more or less uh, taken the stance where I've moved up guys, I mean, i moved down guys who really feel like they're going to be issues due to the 60-game season. Like um, Freeman we mentioned, Trout I mentioned, but compilers in general, like an Adam Eaton guy, like someone who's going to get like four to five homers, four to five steals, and a 280 average over 60 games is so boring to me that I don't want to have anything to do with a compiler. Not, like in, that.
6: This, not in this season, you're right. No.
5: So anyone who is gonna be in the, uh, you know, who anyone who had value because it was 162 game season, well, that's gone completely. So anyone who is like someone who could be hot for a month or two is looking a lot more enticing to me. I haven't necessarily moved guys, you know, because of that, but I've sort of highlighted them a bit on Ball and talked about them. Like a guy like, uh, you know, someone like actually who you mentioned already, Scott Kingery, He could be really interesting in 60-game season because he's a guy who can get super hot, and he's got a little bit of pop. He's got some speed. Like, you never know. Like, a guy like that could surprise where a guy like, uh, you know, someone like a... Well, I mentioned Ian, but, you know, guys who are a little bit more like, you know, just not as interesting in 60 games, I've backed off of, but I haven't moved them necessarily in my rankings.
6: Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess from this week um you know as far as the way i see it like lazardo's a worry for me now he's not in camp yeah um, you know not there was he going to pitch was he not going to pitch anyway uh, oakland got a late start to working out because of their tests like that's the kind of guy that i have to bump down like there, there was a few of those um you know that i would say this week and, and i and i honestly think that especially from some of these zoom calls that i'm doing with the marlins too at least from Mattingly's perspective it's kind of like now like if you're not there now it's trouble because it's two weeks away like we're yeah. we're it's like just think of if you're not on a field for the last two weeks of the regular spring training back in March and they always say like oh my gosh opening day um you know like is the guy gonna be ready and then we say ah oh, well he'll only miss the first week now it's like it's, it's like a month you know
5: yeah yeah no clock is definitely ticking right now I think uh you know, that it's interesting you brought up the, um, whatchamacallit, Lazardo, who, uh, I was kind of already, you know, cause there's gonna be a lot, with starters, uh, you know, like I mentioned Gore and I mentioned Pearson. I like them more now, but with starters in general, there's gonna be a lot of piggybacking with like back end of the rotation. I agree. With long relievers and, you know, a guy like Lazardo. I wasn't really that excited about him even before this, you know, he didn't show he hasn't shown up at camp yet because of, you know, potentially uh coronavirus. So I I was already kind of off of like, you know, a lot of these uh rookie pitchers in general because guess. of the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I uh and 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 also in that sort of like um, you know, realm, it's also a little bit concerning, like these guys who are like you know, setup up men, like, um, you know, like a Will Smith has, uh, you know, he, ha- he tested positive. So he was an issue because of that. But all those guys who are, you know, set up men, it's like, what am I hoping for here? Like three innings a week? And like 5Ks, like I can find better
6: probably, hopefully. Yeah, no, it's it's hard. The, the one thing that, that uh, one of the baseball executives that I was speaking to um, a few days ago was I was saying, wow, there's no chance of any, any young pitchers getting called up or pitching. You're not going to start the clock, right? And I got a different answer was, well, I mean, is it worth it? for us to do it to get development for a pitcher that we would not be able to get otherwise. Like, we can't have a lost season for the guy. And that's another aspect of it that I didn't really think of. Yeah, you're starting a clock on a kid, or you may it may end up costing you a few bucks. But the reality is, with no minor league season, mm-hmm. you know, like, Detroit is a good example. Like, with Manning and and Mize and Scruble, like, I mean, they may have to call them up the last two weeks just to you know, have them pitch, to, to have some pitching against some opponent, they get no pitching against any opponent the whole year. And and that may be worth the investment. Now for fantasy, I don't know. I mean, it's still only a week or two, but it's it's worth right. thinking about, you
5: know? Yeah, hard. no, completely. Yeah, no, I was feeling, uh, I, I had similar thoughts. I think that, you know, with like rookies, I don't know if they're necessarily going to, you know, be fantasy relevant, like you said, but you really see
6: them. Yeah. Yeah,
5: but you really kind of have to like at least uh, get let them get something otherwise they're missing a whole year of development.
6: Uh, is, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it has to be done and that's why I think that the ramifications from the last 2 weeks of this baseball season we're going to feel in 2021 because in order to hold back that service time you won't see them at the beginning of the year. But you may see them at the end of this year, which stinks for us because fantasy will be a lot better next year for sure. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Gray, thank you again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I don't know if you have any fun stuff going on this weekend, but uh, we'll be really close next Friday to uh, to getting back to baseball again. So I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. So have a good one, okay? Definitely. You too. All right. Gray Albright of razball.com here with us on Fantasy Sports Today. What we'll do is we'll take a short time out here on the show and uh, send it over to our next programming here at Sports Grid. Thanks again to everybody who watched today. Thanks to everybody who listened as well. Thank you to uh, Matt Sells for coming on the show, Brett, Danny, and Ryan for putting our program together. For Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you Monday.